Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. And as always, I want to encourage you to make sure you never miss an episode. So please subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also access this through the Faith Connect app that we offer um, through the Apple App Store or the Google App Store, whichever one that you use. So Today, I'm joined by Pastor Shara Rotfold for a few conversations. Lately, she and I have been talking, well, she and I and others on staff have kind of talked about different seasons of life, and we kind of thought that that would make for an interesting podcast series. So today, we're starting the first of three episodes in which we'll kind of talk about different seasons of life, and there'll be overlap, and it's not like these are a um, prescriptive definition of like what exactly is happening in these seasons um they're just kind of generalities that can help us understand kind of how to disciple people where they are yes so what are the first two seasons that we're going to be talking about today yeah today we're talking about young ones um so generally kids who are still at home so birth to age 18 roughly so Mm -hmm. that's separated into childhood and the teen years so birth to 12 and I know there's a big gap right there and then 13 to 18 yep so and it's not like at 12 all of a sudden that cuts off and you move into all the teen stuff but yes to your point earlier things flow into each other absolutely yeah and so I mean you're a parent so you mean you've had kids in this age zone yes what is maybe the biggest thing that you learned about those seasons of like zero to 18 yeah um well, our, what we learned, basically, we have two kids, a son who's 25 next week and a daughter who's 22. Um, they are very different from each other. Very <laughs> they different. Are. So the way that our son progressed through things was different than the way our daughter progressed through things. The way that they responded to us and all of that, um, all of their development was different. Yeah. I mean, there are general things that follow through, right. but but our two kids were very different. So every child is different, every person is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just goes to what I said earlier, like this is not necessarily a descriptive order of things. Yeah. It's just kind of a generality. Yep. yep. So what do you see as some of the defining pieces of these two seasons? Yeah, so childhood is um, largely about play, mm-hmm. learning how to play, um, attachment to a caregiver, whether it's a parent, a parent typically. Um, differentiation between self and other like I am not my mother I am not my father I am a unique person separate and what does that mean and what does that look like and mm-hmm. how am I different than an adult right who's who I care who cares about me how am I different from an adult how am I unique and separate from my siblings or my friends so mm-hmm. that's a big piece for childhood um, obedience is mm-hmm. a big piece and that we'll <laughs> talk about that more with the spiritual development because that's important yeah you know a child learns to obey um, without question, an authority figure that they can trust um, who loves them, and then that leads to their obedience of God in mm-hmm. later years. So those are big things for children. Um, teens continue a lot of that, that differentiation of self. Um, teens are forming their identity. They're starting that process of who am I really and thinking about that more deeply. Um, friendships, relationships, um, interpersonal things are really important for teens. Um, values. They say a child's worldview is largely established by age 14. Okay. So, I mean, obviously it's not a done deal at 14, right. but largely your worldview is established by 14 and actually your values are established by age three, they say, which is oh, kind of wow. shocking to think about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those I are I can't think of anything pieces. I was thinking about when I was three other yeah. than like Legos in my sandbox. <laughs> but that, that's a cool thing because the value, when I first heard that, I was like, what? 
because um, that seemed like a lot of pressure when you have mm-hmm. little kids. But it's not like they understand values, but they they learned what what you or what their caregiver assigns value to that that's mm. important so mm-hmm. oh when we sit down to, to eat we pause and we pray before mm-hmm. that's a value oh we go to church on sundays that's a value things that their parents do or say i'm not supposed to hit my sibling that's a value yes yeah. yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so kids are learning value even if they can't articulate them yet oh, i had no i didn't know that that was kind of already in place yeah. by 13 but if i think about by it like three. when i look at like my area yeah, three yeah when i look at my nieces and nephews you know I do see that they kind of start to understand some of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wow. pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Kids are sponges. They yeah, they learn a whole lot more than we, I think we realize. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, what is kind of the work that is done in these seasons? Yeah. Um, so the work for for a child, the value piece that we just talked about, I would say that's the main value for a little child mm-hmm. is just that value. The main value, the value formation, yeah. and just learning safety um, and who I am, and being able to thrive in an environment that's a safe environment, yeah. the freedom, freedom to start exploring in some areas of interest. Um, for teens, um, the main work is worldview and identity. Mm-hmm. So, what is my worldview? And there's they start trying on different things. Maybe, mm-hmm. well, my parents did it this way. I wonder if there's another way to do it. I wonder yeah. what happened if I tried this and. Um, that kind of thing. So they're trying on, they're mm-hmm. starting to try on different identities and worldview. I can definitely relate to that because I my my family is very much into sports like baseball. My older brothers were like baseball, 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 and I was like, I think I want to do theater. And so it was just yeah, like it yeah. was just really different. That and my and my parents were supportive of that, but it was just like this is a very different course than the people in my family. Yeah. So that was kind of a. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't surprising because I'd done other theater things earlier. But yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, I am very different than them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that can be a hard thing to parent through. Yeah. Because some of that in the teenage years, that can look like rebellion. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there are unhealthy things that are tried on. Um, mm-hmm. But the intent typically isn't to be defiant. It's to, I'm going to try something i'm going to try this i'm going to try this is this who i am is this who i want to be Mm -hmm. Um, so there needs to be that balance of freedom to do that without a parent freaking out but also guidance and boundaries for sure which which kids even though they might say they don't want your rules and your boundaries they do they want them and they need them and they're critical to their formation Yeah. yeah one like and i can look back on a lot of the rules that my parents had for me and at the time, I maybe didn't like it or understand it, but now I'm like, mm, yep, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was right. a very smart thing that they did with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, oh, well, I just I had another thought, but I just, oh, and so the other thing I was thinking of is when kids are trying on these different things, whether it's activities or friends or whatever, um, sometimes it's not that they're an unhealthy thing, it's just maybe it's something that the parent isn't. Um, isn't familiar with or it's just a difference in common it's just not something they have in common and so right like my dad and i don't necessarily have a lot in common and so when i did in theater it was just kind of like okay how do we what do we talk about now yeah. and so that's kind of thing part of the difficulty too is just not that the kid's doing something wrong or bad it's mm-hmm. just 
something that there's no common ground on. Right, right. I yeah. don't know how to parent you through that. I don't know how to encourage you on that. Yeah. I don't how really do understand that this? world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Traveling sports was that way. Yes. With <laughs> us and our daughter. We just didn't, that wasn't a thing in mm-hmm. for either Kirk or I growing up. So yeah. to be on a traveling team, it was like, oh, wow, that's a big commitment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do remember one time our daughter um, wanted to play hockey really badly. And she, for one... I cannot one, imagine Erica as a hockey player. <laughs> yeah. She's very coordinated. Um, mm-hmm. And there was one Halloween, she went as a nerd on roller skates, she and a friend. So they dressed up like nerds. And then they put their rollerblades on. Not That's such a skates. random combination. I know. I know. That was them. So they had rollerblades, not roller skates. So they were out just skating around on Halloween. And I was with them. And, and this man came up to me on the street and said, is that your kid? And I said, yeah. And he goes, can she do that on ice? And I was like... I, I, I don't know, maybe. And he was a hockey coach and oh, okay. he was recruiting. He was looking for girls to play hockey. Um, so she heard that. And of course, she was all over like, Let's I do want to play hockey. <laughs> and that was the one time I remember saying no to her. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I said, I, I don't have a problem with hockey. I actually like watching hockey. I grew up in Duluth. I grew up watching hockey and enjoying it. But I don't want a hockey lifestyle. Yeah. So we had that conversation. And she was she found she found volleyball. <laughs> and that was a much better lifestyle. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. Well, and hockey is like I know people who have played hockey, and it's just it's hard on your body in a way that a lot of sports aren't. At, yeah. I mean, any sport can be, but yeah, hockey's expensive. And it's weekends, too. <laughs> and it's early mornings, and it's late nights, and. Yeah. Um, as a pastor, that just wasn't going to work very well yeah. <laughs> on Sundays anyway. Totally understandable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what would you say are some of like the unique joys of each season, some of the challenge? Let's start with joys, I guess. What are some of the joys mm-hmm. of each season? Yeah. Oh, a joy for a child is they get to play. Their world mm-hmm. is about play. Yeah. They get to play and learn and learn that way. Um, they get to receive the attention of, of others who are encouraging them and supporting them and loving on them. Um, so just you don't have... You don't have a care in the world as a child. You're not really responsible for a whole lot. Yeah. That changes as you get older. You get responsible for more things. But <laughs> yes, as a, when you're a little kid, I have a five-year-old nephew. He just gets to play. He's got some some things he's asked to do now that he's in kindergarten. But um, but largely his life up until now has been about playing and mm-hmm. and listening to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and yeah. other adults in his life. Um, the for teens, the joys are. Um, just that growing and that broadening of understanding of self and others and enjoying peer relationships are really important for for teens so that can be a source of stress but it also can be a source of joy finding something you're good at finding a sport or an activity or theater something that you do that you're like hey i'm pretty good at this yeah that's fun yeah you know growing into a man's body or a woman's body that can be stressful for some but it can also be kind of fun that oh i'm becoming an adult and i'm i'm tall now i can yeah (laughs) i'm as tall as my parents my voice is changing and that's (laughs) i got facial hair or whatever stronger yeah yeah so academic success Mm -hmm. seeing some of those things and having your own personal um, accolades can be a source of great joy for teens and then challenges of course are a part and we've kind of touched on a couple of challenges but what are some of the challenges yeah. unique to each season yeah um well for kids attachment friendship um not all kids have a healthy attachment with a caregiver unfortunately mm, so that yeah. can be a that can be a big um source of challenge for yeah. kids who don't who don't have a healthy environment and what do you mean by attachment um a good question um attachment is the way you um give and receive love from a caregiver very early on. Okay. So your attachment style is largely defined by like age one or two. 
Okay. So do you feel, do you have an adult in your life that you feel safe with, that you know loves you, that's predictable? Mm-hmm. So, and not every kid has that. Right. You know, some mental health, whatever, um, lots and lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that home is not a safe environment and adults are not predictable yeah. or reliable in the life of a child. So, um, and that has lasting consequences. Yes. Yeah. So that's a big thing for kids. That's out of their control, largely. Um, confidence can be a challenge. Friendships can be a challenge for kids. Um, kids can be mean to each other, even even in the elementary years. Mm-hmm. So some of that are those those challenges yeah. that start out for kids. Um, teens, oh boy. <laughs> Hormonal shifts. Yeah. Um, comparisons with others, friendship, dating, relationships, trying things that you want to be good at and then realizing that you're not very good at that, that mm-hmm. can be really hard for a teen. Um, conflict at home as they're exploring different areas that may or may not align with the values of their family, um, that can be really challenging for a teen too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of what I'm curious about is with the challenges that today's children and teenagers are facing with like social media and stuff, yeah. I can't help but wonder, does is that more challenging than the environment I grew up in or is it just a different challenge? You know what I mean? So like it may be more difficult both for the kids and the parents to navigate world with social media or is it just a different challenge than like Mm -hmm. what me and my parents had when I was, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't, I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to say what it is today. Well, that's a good question. Um, That's a really good question. And you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun and no temptation has, has, Come, or no temptation has fallen on you except that which is common to man. Like, in some ways, these things just have happened forever yeah. and will happen forever. It's just new clothes. Yeah. Same problems, yeah. new clothes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So some of it is that way, but some of it is is vastly different because a kid might have trouble with peer pressure or with comparison or with friendships. And 50 years ago, or when I was when I was a kid, 45 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, that was limited to times I was face to face with somebody or maybe mm-hmm. on a phone call when I got older. But now it's 24 seven, you yeah. pick up your phone and you start comparison and you can start getting getting bullied and you can start having somebody unfriend you and you can start, oh, their life is perfect. You yeah. can start all of that. The potential for 24 seven conflict basically. Right, 24 seven comparison, 24 mm-hmm. seven beating yourself up because you're not as good, as pretty, as photogenic as you know as many friends as many boyfriends or girlfriends yeah yeah i'm i'm glad to not be raising children in this right right well and that the whole internet connectivity is we we were just at the cusp of that with our kids when they were in seventh or eighth grade i think um their schools started giving them ipads and that was brand new that was like Mm. the first thing the first time that it ever happened so now my kids are the first generation really the first year that kids are sent home from school with a device of their own that Mm -hmm. connects to the internet and they have homework to do on it yeah so the you know our our conversations about do you limit that do you say you have to be done by eight o'clock do you have to you know do we take it away at a certain time do we how do we limit it we weren't even sure how to do those limits because it was all new so anyway that's a whole nother deal yeah yeah, (laughs) we don't have time for that one yeah well, and, and just, to, I, I hope that parents, I mean, parents probably know by this point, but most devices today do have a level of parental controls yes, where yes. you can kind of set parameters and t- 
timelines and restrict certain apps or sites or you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I just hope that parents know that and are cognizant of that. And um, I'm, I'm noticing like right. a lot of my peers that did grow up with this emerging technology are being very careful about how much screen time they give their kids because yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. we saw amongst ourselves like how consuming Mm -hmm. this is and they're already kind of starting to react against that which i think is interesting and healthy yeah and that'll change as as the generations go on for for us i'm a digital immigrant which means that i wasn't raised with any of this stuff i was i'd been married eight years and had two kids before i got my first cell phone it was a brick yeah you know and and kids now they just they're digital natives they've grown up with it but moving forward everyone will be a digital native Mm -hmm. you know my when my kids have children they Don't will be all be digital natives. Yeah. So so that's that'll that be thunder? maybe a little interesting. That was thunder. How fun. It's gonna So I, I don't know if that comes to the mic, but yes, that is thunder. <laughs> Don't be scared. The building's not collapsing on us. We're fine. No, we're good. Yeah. Um I and well just thinking of that, like I remember when my nephew was not even a year old, he already knew how to like swipe on an iPad. Yeah. I was like, What? Like that yeah, just boggled yeah. my mind because like I didn't learn how to use a computer mouse until I was in like second grade. Right. And here my nephew is at not even a year old and he already knows how to swipe through mm-hmm. pictures. I was That just, that freaks me out a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I remember being at the mall when Kyle was 14. Um, I just remember that. I don't know why. And he, we were walking and he saw a, stro- a mom pushing a stroller and the kid in the stroller had an iPad and was playing an iPad. And my 14 year old said, when I was a kid, you know, like... <laughs> It's like you still are it, a kid. It has already happened, though. He yeah. was already old enough to look back and go, "Wow, I didn't have, I didn't have technology at that age." Oh yeah, because he didn't. My right. kids didn't get cell phones till seventh grade when they started started doing sports yeah. after school. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, they had leap pads. <laughs> I I never even had that. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a sophomore in college, okay. which was way behind my peers. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we probably maybe this is kind of similar to what we already said. But what are some of the potential pitfalls of each season? Yeah, or is that really different than the challenges? Or well, a pitfall is more. I think that I think of that as more like getting stuck, like mm-hmm. like a you don't progress past um, past a certain area, like a kid. Um, hopefully you start getting beyond I'm the center of everybody's universe not only mine yes um, but hopefully by you know age 12 for sure um, you're beyond that and you realize that the whole world doesn't revolve <laughs> around me like there are other people here that have needs and wants and desires too yeah. so and I know that I mean that last your brain's not done until you're 25 26 yeah that frontal lobe and that is a big part of that is a selfishness but it's also part of the human condition we're just we're just selfish and that's a big that's sin yeah Um, but a big part of that for kids of getting being stuck in what i say is what everybody does (laughs) everyone caters to me yep um i would say for a teen um rebellion would be a pitfall if you get stuck and i'm going to try something out that's that is opposed to my family's values, I'm just gonna stay there. Yeah. And I'm just gonna, you know, that can be a pitfall instead of um, trusting your adult as a, as a redirection. Um, and mental health issues can be really tough in the teen years. Yeah. Uh, when hormones kick in and that you're very aware that there are other people around and that comparison piece and that mental health can be a real tough thing yeah. if it's not addressed for teens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then what are what are some of the specific needs of these two seasons? 
Yeah. Well, the needs are loving caregivers. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Loving care parents, teachers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, um, parents of friends, um, adult caregivers who are or adults in your life who are healthy mm-hmm. and who will love you and who will love you with with some healthy limits yeah. and who will speak truth into you and redirect. Um, yeah. That's really, really, really important for kids. And so when you say like caregivers, you included a lot of different people. Yeah. So that may not mean that like for me, I'm, I have nine nieces and nephews. I'm a caregiver in their lives. Yeah. I'm not the caregiver. Right, so it right. doesn't mean now you have to be there all the time. No, no, no. But you're an adult who has influence. Maybe that's yeah. a better way of saying it. You're sure. an adult who has influence in the lives of your nieces and nephews. If you're an adult who has influence in the lives of any kid, yeah. you have a voice that's really important to a child. Yeah. You hear some people talking about a teacher. Like I can think of Mr. Geeson, my um, high school English teacher. He had an impact on my life. Yeah. And people will look back on a teacher who spoke encouragement at a time when that was needed mm-hmm. developmentally, um, who wasn't a parent or a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader. Um, it's important for it's important for kids to be raised not just by mom and dad, but by yeah. by a village, a small group if you're at a church, Sunday school teachers, grandparents, extended family, neighbors, you know, having having other voices in your yeah. kids' lives is super important. Well, in that village, I mean, I think of like, there are still a lot of the people that I grew up with as a kid who like taught my Sunday school classes yeah. and that my parents were friends with and like, I'm still connected with them today and like, like we still stay in touch and they donate when I'm running for things and uh, it's just incredible that they're still a part of that village that is giving care to me even now as an adult yeah and it's just like wow that's (laughs) yeah that's a luxury really for a lot for a lot of people Kirk had a youth leader when he was in high school Um, campus life was the organization that he was a part of and so he was 15 when he started in campus life, and he he went on um, to be a best or not a best man, a uh, groomsman mm-hmm. in the wedding of his campus life leader. And just two or three weekends ago, he drove down to Illinois. There were 80 kids. Well, wow. they're now in their late 50s. Sure. <laughs> but um, 80 80 of these students, these mm-hmm. teenagers who grew up. Um, under the influence of this man went to his home he had a reunion and 80 of them showed up from all over the country and they're in their late 50s so so valuable was he in the lives of these you know Kirk is 59 so when he was 15 what's that 44 years or 45 years ago yeah that's incredible his influence (laughs) remains strong yeah 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 so you never know you don't know (laughs) sometimes we're told yeah of the influence we have but often we're not well, and sometimes people like myself who aren't married and don't have kids may th- may not think that we have that much influence, but we absolutely you can. You do. You absolutely yeah. do. You absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. 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 Um, so, are there any other needs um, for this season um, that you would? Did I uh, put down any other that needs? Um, I mean, food, shelter, yeah. clothing. <laughs> Love and acceptance, attentive care, affirmation and support for kids, freedom to explore with clear boundaries for teens. I think are those are specific yeah. needs that I that I had noted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, pract on a more practical level, how do you know if mm-hmm. you yourself personally or someone you know is not going through one of these seasons in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, part of that getting stuck are the pitfalls. You know, a child mm-hmm. who's just overly clingy to mom. It's it's normal for a, 
for a child to be clingy to a caregiver. There's that stranger anxiety that peaks at like 18 months or something. But if you still are having stranger anxiety and don't want to leave your mother's side and you're, you're 10, that's, that's a bit of a red flag. That's something that needs attention. Yeah. Um, so that, um, and what kind of attention would you say? Is that something that a parent just needs to be cognizant of, or do you need to involve a therapist? Yeah, it depends. There's levels as with, as with anything, but, um, it would start with a parental conversation and parents, you know, encouraging their child, um, Mm -hmm. and introducing their child to other situations with safe adults Mm -hmm. that, that they can thrive in. Um, and it might need to involve a teacher. You know, how is, this is what I'm noticing. What are you noticing at school? Yeah. Um, or a Sunday school teacher or another, a daycare, whatever, if you're, whatever groups your kids are in. Um, and if it's, if it's affecting your child's daily living, if you're not able to leave your child, that's a problem. And then you might need to get a professional involved. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about if it's someone else's child? Because that's a really difficult boundary to navigate to tell a parent of somebody else to say, I think your kid's struggling in a way because it mm-hmm. may feel like or sound like they're placing blame on the parent, mm-hmm. um, which may or may not be accurate. But yeah. how do you um, how do you navigate that space when you notice someone else's child yeah. that's really struggling or yeah, yeah. not walking that's through this in a healthy way? Um, pray. Yes. <laughs> pray before you speak <laughs> yes. to a parent. Um, Which is kind of good just for any situation. It is, yeah, before you just speak. Um, if you're wondering about anything or concerned or just have a little bit of a, like, I wonder, pray first. Um, but then there are different ways to start a conversation, like, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. or can I can I ask you something? Or can I share with, with you something I've observed? Mm-hmm. Those are good ways to start a conversation that... that take the parent off the defensive yeah. and also invites them to say, yeah, it's okay if you share something. And they, I suppose it's a yes or no question. They can say, nope, I don't want you to share something you've observed, <laughs> which is a whole nother deal. But, yes. <laughs> but generally, if you, which if they answer that way, then you might understand a little bit more about why exactly. their child is maybe not progressing health in a healthy way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So those are, those are good keywords to start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess kind of the last um, piece of this to kind of talk about for now is how does this season of life or do these two seasons of life intersect with spiritual development? Mm-hmm. We've kind of touched a little bit on this. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for kids, obedience without question of a safe, healthy, <laughs> loving adult um, is a really important thing. And so the goal of parenting, I think, the young kids through age 18 is to, to lead your kids to transfer their obedience and trust and faith from you to God. Mm-hmm. So that should be a progression that I, I know my mom and dad love me. I trust what they say. I believe what they say. I trust that what they're saying and prescribing and how they've been forming me is for my best. Mm-hmm. And and I will choose to live under their authority. Um, and kids don't articulate it that way. But, right. <laughs> um, but then it's easier because by the teen, by the time they're late teens and then into the young adult transition that we'll talk about next time, um, they should not be dependent on your approval mm-hmm. and your permission and and all that. They they shouldn't be dependent on that. They should transfer that to God, and they should go first to God and seek to please God and to obey God and to follow, to live under God's prescription. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's a lot easier to do if if they know that God is a loving parent and that God can also be trusted and loves them and has their best interest in mind. Yeah. So in an ideal world, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One yeah. well, and part of what I think of is really interesting about what you just said is that the goal of a parent should be to transfer that child's trust mm-hmm. and, and obedience from them to God. And I think a lot of times people think of parenting, the goal of parenting is to create like moral upstanding productive citizens like people who go out and get jobs and are no longer dependent on parents Mm -hmm. and i think that's really interesting to kind of reframe the priority of parenting is Mm -hmm. yes it's good to create an independent adult that can take care of themselves and whatever but it's more important to lead them into relationship with god Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's that's not something i hear a lot yeah that's number one for a christian parent yeah is to yeah that's and it. oftentimes in the process of doing that, you will, in, in the process of transferring that trust from parent to God, that will also entail a lot of things that do help the child become, you know, productive or get yeah. an education or get a job or whatever. Yeah. Um, so many of those things, of course, intersect and overlap. Right. Um, but it's just that reminder that no, the priority of parenting mm-hmm. is discipleship. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And you're you're doing all the other stuff. You're teaching them how to be responsible and be on time yeah. and get a job and manage their money. And, you know, you're teaching all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, too, this is not a one-size-fits-all because there are, um, you know, children that have developmental needs mm-hmm. that may take longer um, to sure. progress into these seasons or they may not progress into... F- further seasons depending on um, their circumstances so again this is not a one-size-fits-all approach right right yeah and it can be it can be easy for a parent of older kids or young adults to look back and kind of beat yourself up over Mm, oh I wish I would have done that oh I shouldn't have done that oh (laughs) did I mess my kid up yeah you know and I remember asking Kirk that when our kids were little I don't know lose my cool with them and I'd be like oh I don't want to mess my kids up and he's like okay relax (laughs) relax (laughs) but it's common for it's or it can be easy for a parent to to have a really unrealistic expectation of themselves parents are not no parent is perfect yeah and every child will choose to when they have if and if they have children of their own they'll choose to do some things the way their parents did and they'll choose to do some things the way their parents didn't yeah. <laughs> so I mean we all that's always how yeah. it works when I think of people too in my life and I'm sure we all have that as well of circumstances where someone was an amazing great parent and their kids strayed really far mm-hmm. and made some really you know poor life choices yeah and it's really interesting because like one person that I'm thinking of also had another sibling that made really good choices and like they were parented by the same people yeah yeah. and of course you parent each child a little bit differently but you know two people you know kids can go on very divergent life paths despite the parents best efforts right 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 yeah we all have our own unique path and our own unique timeline and um parents do the best they can yep (laughs) and then kids at the end have to make their faith their own and there's a transition we'll talk about that at a later date but there's a transition that happens it's not like you leave home and bam you've got it all figured out or you turn 18 and you own your faith and you're walking it out yeah it doesn't for some it happens that way for others it takes it takes a while and it's a more challenging season for a million different 
different reasons. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the, the reference of the verse, but um, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Mm. Um, that's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Look it up. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember where the reference is right now, but um, but that is true. That's yeah. the greatest joy for a Christian parent is just to know that your kids are walking with the Lord mm-hmm. um, because then they have, they have support and they have truth and they have encouragement and they have God's peace in and through all of it. Yeah. Because God's always with them, we're not, when they get older. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Any last pieces that you would say about these two seasons of life that you feel are Um, important for us to discuss or be aware of? uh, No, I don't think so. I think think we covered a fair amount. Sounds good. Well, that's our conversation about kind of the early years of a person's life. And we'll be back next week with some additional conversation about the next two seasons of life. Um, which will probably resonate with me a lot because that's probably going to hit where I am right now. (laughs) So uh, we are excited to get into that, and I hope you listen next week, and I hope you have a wonderful day.